evening, this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. This morning we're going to look at verses 105 to 112. I believe that would be on page 514. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Psalm 119. And this morning, this is God's word for us, beginning in verse 105. And here's what God says Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offering, offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for there is no word like your word. Your word is true, everything about it. Your word is pertinent. It's exactly the word that you give to us this morning, and we receive it as a gift. And Father, we, we want to look now at your word, and we want to not merely be informed, but we want to see your word powerfully transform us. So help us as we spend these next moments together, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we've been in Psalm 119 for a while. We stepped out for a second. We're back in it. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. It's uh, sliced up naturally by 22 units, eight verses apiece, corresponding with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 119 Uh, overall, uh, just keeps underscoring for us and to us the functional and the practical value of God's Word in the life of a follower of Christ. Each particular eight-verse unit does that with, with a special emphasis of sorts. So as we look at each eight-verse unit, there's a different setting and a different mood, different things going on, and yet each underscore the importance of God's Word in our hearts and in our lives. The setting of Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112, is the setting is, is, is that of darkness. The word darkness is not explicitly referenced, uh, but 
But you, you can see in a minute how we say that, that that's the setting. The psalmist is severely afflicted, he says in verse 107, that, that the wicked in verse 110 have, have laid snares for him. And, and, and yet, even though the setting is darkness, the mood is delight. He talks about the word of God as his inheritance, the joy of his heart. But what I want us to particularly look at this morning as we interact with the first two things, the setting and the mood, is is the focus of Psalm 119. The focus is that of determination. Two things I want to say about this notion of determination from these verses. First of all, I mean, the psalmist has great resolve and determination. This, This determination is, first of all, because... Uh, he has, we have an illumination to guide us. Second, and, and those, that first part will be the first four verses, uh, verses 105 to 108. And then the second part, verses 109 to 112, speaks of, of a determination because the psalmist has, because we have an inheritance to govern us. So the psalmist is determined. He's determined to follow and pursue God's Word. And and, and yet he's doing so for reasons. Because A, the Word of God is that which illuminates him to guide him. Secondly, because the Word of God is is an inheritance to, to govern him, to govern his heart. Let's look at these one at a time. First, the psalmist wants to underscore to God's people that we have been provided direction. And what are we to do with that direction? Is that, as, as we're reminded, we see that this morning, the word for us this morning, in light of the fact that we've been provided direction, is, is this week, let's take it and use it. The, the, the psalmist And verse 105 orients us to this. The psalmist is discussing life lived, how he's actually living out his life. And two terms he uses in this first verse to underscore that. He talks about um, a path, and he talks about his feet. In other words, when he talks about a path, he's really... um, uh, referencing the course of his life. He's, he's walking down this path and not that path. And it's the Word of God that has given him the guidance and the direction to know that's the path to walk down. Not, not this path, but that path. And see, he knows that, that the Word is, is a light to his path. But, but it's even more than that. It, it doesn't just gener- generally say, Hey, walk down that path and not this path. But, but it even is more particular. The word is a lamp to his feet. It doesn't, doesn't just underscore the course of our life, but it also helps us to understand the actions that we are to take going down that course of life. Go this path and walk in this manner down this path. 
other words, do you, do you see the, the guidance on top of guidance, the direction on top of direction? The, the Word of God provides so much practical and functional help and value to our lives. In a, in a world of darkness, in a world of danger, a world that would otherwise be daunting and overwhelming to know how to navigate, the Word of God gives a a light to our path, and it gives a lamp to our feet. It, it, It illuminates or sheds light on the actions that we must take in life, but it also um, shows the way or illuminates the, the very course of life that we are to pursue. What a kindness. What a gift. God doesn't just say, now now look, when you're done with life, I've got a home for you in heaven. But in the meantime, good luck with that. I hope you find your way home. Oh, the Word of God says, no, no, I, I've got a home for you in eternity. And, uh, and I've, I've lined out the path to get there, and I've even lined out the manner in which you are to uh, motor your feet down that path to get there. The Word of God gives to us everything we need to live. We get to live with the blessing of having a lamp and having a light. The Word of God says, go this way and not that way. Then the Word of God says, and when you go this way, go this way in this fashion and not that fashion. We we oftentimes think, and and perhaps even the culture uh, suggests to us, that we live in an uh, age of ambiguity in which it's really hard to figure out anything. It's really hard to know, is there even such a critter as truth and reality and beauty and goodness? And and, and if there is, it's probably impossible to even figure that out. So it may be out there somewhere, but we're not left to dangle in such a way. God's kindness to us is is so very clear. He's he's given to us his word that to be to be a lamp and a light. And do you see how such a reality of that acknowledgement in verse 105 then 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 that such a reality, such an assurance reignites the psalmist's resolution. It says in verse 6, the first part of verse 6, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it. Now, here in the next two weeks, uh, we, we, will, we will see in our own country, our own nation, uh, uh, people who will swear oath, an oath of, of the office. And, and that's just a reminder. It's like, whoa, that... That sounds pretty seriously. That sounds pretty, not seriously, that sounds pretty serious. Uh, and, and it is. And it's seriously too. But, uh, but it, it, it is a serious thing. But, but, but do you realize that part of, of understanding our Christian walk and journey is that, that for those of us who have named the name of Christ... Well, I know it's probably strange language for us, but we've sworn an oath of position as well. 
Now, you, you remember back in November when we were in Psalm 119 previously, so in our formal, former life last year sometime, uh, we, we, uh, we talked about how God does relationships through covenant. God, God's people live covenantally with Him. And, and I think that's really helpful to remind us here because it might seem odd to talk about oaths and, uh, and, 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 and swearing to something. I mean, it's just like, really? I do that? You know, I've done that? It's a reminder that in the psalmist frame of mind, um, God covenants Himself to His people. God doesn't, this is what I said back in November a couple of times, God doesn't do casual relationships. He covenants with His people in a binding pledge uh, oriented around sure promises. And yet, here's the other side of that equation. As sure as God binds Himself in covenant oath to His people, He calls us to bind ourselves to Him. He doesn't do casual relationships with His people, and He doesn't permit His people to do casual relationships with Him. I mean, the, our country is, is strewn. Is that a word? We've got a whole bunch of people who, on some casual drive-by level, have, 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 have tipped their hat to Jesus. Uh, and, and, and yet, whatever they did with Jesus back in the day uh, has no bearing practicalities on how they would order and live their lives at this moment. I'm just telling you, that's a foreign concept in Scripture. Scripture doesn't think that way. The Scripture doesn't think that we could have a, just a one-time decision for Jesus and then untether the, the rest of our lives and do as we please and live how we wish. No, no. as the psalmist is being reminded of the surety, the reality of God's Word as a lamp and as a light, he, he, it, it, that when that lands on him by way of reminder and by, by way of assurance, he, he, he just, he's, re, he's renewed in his heart of the oath that he has made in living covenantally with his God. And what, and what is the nature, uh, what is the practical direction of the oath that God's people uh, respond to God with? The second part of verse 106. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. God's word is a light and a lamp. And, and, and yet God's word as a precious light and lamp is not like a, an optional add-on accessory to the Christian experience. Like, well, I belong to Jesus, but you know what? I ain't fooling with all his righteous rules. I, I, got, I got a life to live, you know. Again, that, that's just a disconnected reality from what the Scripture describes. Uh, to belong to Jesus means that we have acknowledged Him as Lord. And to acknowledge Him as Lord filters down, trickles down into saying, then what does it look like 
to have him as my Lord. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And don't you think at least it implies that to be a follower of Jesus, we actually try to perk up and seek out what in the world does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to to figure out the path that, that he has provided for us? What does it look like to walk down that path in the manner that he has prescribed to us? That we, we are the people, we who name the name of Jesus are the people who have, who have issued a pledge by the grace of God. And even as they'll say here in, in the oath of office, so help me God. Oh boy, do we ever say, so help me God. We, we do, but we, we bind ourselves to live according to God's Righteous rules. But it's, it's a path of, that also often entails danger and darkness. It's a path in which the psalmist is implying by that affliction and by those entrapping snares that he is afflicted, that he is often weakened. And so he appeals in verse 107 um, to his covenant-keeping God. Look at the second part of verse 107 where he begins by saying, I am severely afflicted. Give me life according to your word. The psalmist's determination I have sworn an oath and I confirm it, is, is, is undergirded by this, this plea. Oh God, I have sworn to keep your word. Oh God, give me life according to your word. The psalmist's stout determination to, to keep an oath, to swear a covenant, is, is, is renewed not in and by his own strength. He doesn't say, God, you've given me the path. You've given me the, the, the way to walk down that path. I got this. He says, no, God, Lord, you show me the way, and you show me how to go on that way. But, so, but, oh, Lord, would the very word that gives me that direction, would that be the very word that gives me the grace, the strength to walk down that direction? The psalmist's determination is not, as I said, not in and by his own strength, but from and through um, the, the strength that God provides. The psalmist is very determined to go down this path in this way, but his determination is a dependent determination, not an independent one. See, the very word of God that gives us the information, here's the path, and here's the way to walk down that path. The word of God is full of information, but I'm telling you what is, what is even more beautiful about the word of God is not just simply the perfect information that it provides, but the word of God is living and active 
powerful. It actually enables us to perform that which it tells us to do. It provides the information, but it also provides the transformation. You know, this time of year, memberships in in gyms surge up. And I don't need to see a show of hands as to how many on uh, December 31st or July, uh, J- December 31st or January 1st, uh, uh, you know, uh, signed up for a, a club membership because, uh, well, if you did, you're probably contemplating canceling it about now. And if you haven't canceled it yet, you will by the end of the month. I mean, that just, that's just, if, if you follow the national averages, that's how it goes. Because, because we all make great resolutions. I'm going to turn over a new leaf and try harder this year. I'm going to lose a little bit of my tire, or, uh, or just whatever. And uh, we make these promises, and then, and, and then by January we're thinking, where's the cookies? We, we, don't, we don't natively have what it takes to keep promises. I mean, in Adam, we come from a long line of covenant breakers. Oh, but in Christ, we have been forged into a new line. Yes, yes. His blood is now coursing in our veins, so to speak. And we don't have to, we don't have to think about notions of resolution and oath and and and. and pledging a covenant of obedience to God in terms of our own resolve and our own ability. With the strength that God's grace provides, may we be a people who walk this path and walk this way in that path. Because it is His Word that gives to us the strength his word gives to us the life to do that. And, and of course, such a life is, 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 really, is really described in verse 108 as a, as a life of, of, of worship. You know, when we gather here about 1030 on Sunday mornings, what do we call this thing? We call this thing worship. We, we gather together that we might worship God. And, and, and gathering together to, to do the things we do in this hour is, is certainly bona fide and appropriate to be labeled worship. But what do we do, say, here in another, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or so? What's What's next? After we're done with this kind of worship, then we're to depart and engage in another kind of worship. And that other kind of worship is then how we will order the rest of our day and the rest of our week and the rest of our month and the rest of our lives. And, and that, I think that's what he's saying by, by inserting this language of worship, accept my free will offerings of praise. In other words, what he's saying is that by me swearing to walk down this path in this way, Lord, may that life lived be an offering of praise to you. You can whistle while you work, or you can sing while you work, or you can not whistle or not sing at all, but the way we work, the way we live is nonetheless worship. And then he concludes that with just a reminder of his life is lived, God will teach me your rules. Well, Lord, may, I, may, may this week be a week of entire worship for you as you ongoingly instruct me in your rules. But then he goes on, not 
only does the does he have a determination because of the guidance that he has been given, but he has a determination as well because of the inheritance that he's been promised. Picking up in verse 109, before we get to that promise, that inheritance, he says in verse 109, I hold my life in my hand continually. This is another expression in a roundabout way of how he's stating his determination. He says, I've sworn an oath, I've, I've, I've promised to a covenant, and, and I accept my responsibility to live that way. I hold my life in my hands. He, 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 is, he is grappling with the fact that Living the life of obedience to God is a life that is surrounded by risk. And he is accepting the notion that God's word is to define the course of his life, the life that he is to pursue, in spite of the risks that may be entailed in that path and walking in that fashion down that path. The psalmist is owning up to his own personal responsibility. Now, I don't mean personal responsibility in an autonomous way, in a way untethered from. We've already underscored even so far in this psalm the need for a dependence upon God to give us the grace. And so I, I, mean, I mean the psalmist is assuming his own personal responsibility for the direction and course of his life amid his personal reliance upon the Lord for the guidance and for the strength to live out that personal responsibility. I, I think our culture is um, so amiss Our culture is a culture of blame. We blame everyone for all the stuff that's unfolding around me, and we use that blame as an excuse for accepting personal responsibility for our lives. Whatever darkness is surrounding us, no matter what danger is assaulting us, you and I are still personally responsible before God to depend upon Him to live out the way His Word prescribes that we are to live out. There's no asterisk by any of God's commands that exempt us from complying with those commands where, where adherence to them might result in risk. Whether that risk is literal, physical harm, or whether that risk is just simply damaging our psyche. Whatever that means. We, we ought to remind ourselves the words of our Lord himself who says, Don't fear him who can kill the body, but not the soul. Fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. 
Now, the irony is, that's a pretty stout word, but the irony is, if you looked at the context in the Gospels where that's written, it's always, it's always surrounded uh, by the, these comforting words of assurance of, of our Father's good care for us. Our Father cares for us. We can trust Him. We can depend upon Him. And that ought to to alter then who and what we fear. Now, we certainly need wisdom to to know how to be prudent. But we must... We must understand that you and I can never overmanage our life so much that, 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 we, that we overmanage the risk in our lives to the point that we have a validation for ignoring God's commands. We are well protected and we are well provided for. And being well protected and well provided for, we are personally responsible for what we do. Now, do that for a moment. Now, now, if you don't feel anything, we've got a defibrillator out in the hallway. We can, we can get that in here for you. But, but do, do you feel something going on there? I, I feel like a little pulse happening. And since I'm up here preaching and talking loud and stuff, it's probably a little bit more pronounced than yours is. You're, as you're, you're, you're dozing off, and so it's probably not very, it's pretty faint. But anyway, um, um, what did you... What did you do to earn that pulse? I mean, if, if that pulse was not there right now, you would not be here right now. Do you, you realize how you've been provided for? Now, an, another test. <gasps> well, I can't do that and tell you what to do next. But anyway, you get the point. Go ahead and just take in a big grasp of air and just kind of let that marinate in your lungs for a second. It's like... What did you do to earn that oxygen? Do you understand how, do you understand how well provided for we are? Do you understand how if, if we could just assume and presume that, that, that our heart will keep on beating today and, that our, and, and we'll keep on being able to draw up good oxygen into our lungs, if we could just assume that that's provided for, do you understand how well taken care of we are? Do you realize that and, and out of those heartbeats and, out of, and from that oxygen, you and I are called to live faithfully before God? Now, the Christian life ends well. But the Christian life doesn't always go well. Jesus always gets his people safely home, and yet the journey home is often a a dark one. It is often a dangerous one. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will get me home. We can bank on that. That's a part of, it's part of how beautiful it is that God lives covenantally with his people. You can count on him to keep his promises, and out of that promise, we can, we can live We can live obediently to him. We can live with a certain amount of grit and gumption to assume responsibility to utilize the the pulse and the air that we've been provided. 
affliction notwithstanding. Enemies, verse 110, who want to trap us and snare us and take us out, notwithstanding. And yet what is governing the psalmist's determination that in spite of the current risk of the danger of his life, he is, he is clinging to a promise. He is clinging to the promise pertaining to his much-awaited destination. He says there in verse 111, Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. Heritage. I think that's it's it's an odd, odd thing to think about in terms of God's word. And of course, it's a rich Old Testament word. Heritage just simply means inheritance. And for the, for ancient Israel, the notion of heritage or inheritance would, in other words, it wouldn't be odd to just simply swap out where he says your testimonies are my heritage, because it's, it's language of, of Israel's inheritance, which was the promised land. What he's saying is that your testimonies, they are my promised land. There's nothing that thrills my heart more than, than what your word is promising to me about my destination, about my home. And all that God has given in His covenant word, the, 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 and, and, and amongst which is the sure promises of our destination, that is governing His heart. It's amplifying His heart, but it's also inclining His heart to live a certain way. For they are the joy of my heart, verse 112, and therefore I incline my heart to perform your statutes. With great affection and devotion and conviction. Knowing that the word of God promises his destination. That, that, that undergirds how he's determined to live his life. Until he reaches that destination forever to the end, he says. All that God has given is, 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 is now ordered and and empowering what he is living from and what he is living in and what he is living by and what he is living for. Why, why determine to live according to God's word? Because God's word gives us the very guidance we need to know how to live And God's word promises us the very destination that we are designed to reach. And when God's word so awakens our hearts, then God's word and everything God's word says becomes a delight and a joy to us. And out of the delights and joys of our hearts, we live our lives and we order our steps. Or the way Jesus said it, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And of course, the rest of the story is you and I are not just given a book of information to say, here's the direction and here's the destination. You and I are given a book that, that holds out to us a person who has gone before us in this direction perfectly, flawlessly, and who is currently 
at our destination, getting it ready for us. And he has done all that is needed in the meantime so that when he's done fixing it up, he'll come back for us and take us back there. He has done all that is needed so that people like you and I, who maybe even want to kind of live in that direction, but also know that we won't do that perfectly. We are following the lead of the one who has done it perfectly. He's lived a perfect, righteous life for us and for our salvation. He has laid his life down as a perfect offering and sacrifice for us and for our salvation. And so we certainly pay attention to the words of a book. But we pay attention to the words of a book because the words of the book show us that the word is a person for us to love and trust and follow. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for how Jesus teaches us and orients our hearts and lives to behold wonderful things from your word. And so, Father, whatever measure of resolution that we have this morning to walk in accordance with the light and the lamp of your word, Father, we do so dependently upon Jesus and the Spirit of God that he provides to his people and the grace of God in which he empowers his people. So give us a great heart and focus for your Son, Jesus. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll sing.